Right, you two ready? Yeah. Yep. Let's do this. Okay, I've not re- I've not read an intro, but I'm just going to wing it. So I must remember that it's episode eight and not nine. I keep thinking it's <laughs> nine, but it's episode eight. Okie dokie, let's do... Oh, 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 do you know what? I need to pee before we do this. Sorry. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Are you saving this for the intro? Or what? <laughs> And welcome to another episode of the Race Department Podcast, Season 2, Episode 8. I'm Paul Glover, as always. Uh, but this time, I'm only joined by two of my cohorts in the RD Virtual Studio. So first, let me introduce you to David Day. David Day, how are you? How are you, mate? I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm a little bit, as we were discussing before we before we pushed the button, I'm a little bit tired this week. Got no excuses as to why. Just one of those one of those days. I think it might be the fact the weather keeps changing on this. It's warm, then it's yeah. cold, then it's warm, then it's cold, and you yeah. can't seem to make its mind up at the moment. You're, so. you're in Italy. We we say that uh, it's uh, the passage of season or the tra- transition between seasons that. Yeah. Uh, usually can make you feel funny, especially between, you know, uh, winter and uh, spring and uh, summer and autumn. That's, uh, that, th- those are uh, two transitions that uh, can, uh, you know, affect your mood and, uh, and so on, yeah. and your definitely, energy levels. Definitely agree with that. I completely, 100% agree with that. Secondly, joining us in the studio is Danny. Danny, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Hello, hello. How are you doing, my friend? Also a bit, yeah, woozy, like in the transition of seasons, mm-hmm. I guess. But yeah, I think otherwise it's, good. That, it's, that, it's that time of year. I mean, for those of you that, that live in the UK, you'll probably understand the weather here at the best of times can be a little bit um, up and down, shall we say. But it was really weird. Like last week, we had uh, temperatures about 25, 28, and then the next day it drops about 15 degrees. And, and at the weekend, just gone... Saturday, it was really blustery. We had a real bite to the to the wind. It was chilly. My, uh, friends of mine were wearing their woolly hats already, like it was already winter. And then today, it's been absolutely glorious. So, um, yeah, I mean, had too many layers on anyone when I went out of the house. So, just, just, I think it's just this weather is messing with us. So, um, so yeah. I don't, know, I don't know where I'm going with this. It's yeah, absolutely enough, enough weather, Chad, I'm, 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 I'm trying to think, how do I transition now? I'm really confused. <laughs> we are not a weather, we are not a weather podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blimey. Right, we went down that road. Okay, so we're back once again for the Renegade Master. I have to throw that into my intro. And uh, last week we did a questions from listeners slash forum users at racedepartment.com which I thought I really thoroughly enjoyed that. Some of the questions I picked out, I thought were really, really good. So thank you very much for that. We had originally planned to do this topic, which is around leagues and one-off events, and to try and just have a discussion amongst ourselves about events that we've taken a part in. You know, what, what how how do we practice um, what we've learned? Um, and, you know, a few other bits and pieces. And then once we've covered that and talked about that, we're going to lean on David Day uh, a bit because we're going to talk about the recently announced graphics cards that are out there. And also, I think it's worth to mention the new 
generation of consoles that are about to reach us in November. So first, the Xbox Series S is coming to from Microsoft and then shortly followed by the PlayStation 5 from Sony. So not necessarily, um, you know, a, a huge consoles aren't necessarily huge for sim races, but they do have some racing games on them. Gran Turismo and Forza Motorsport to mention the two. So... Um, I think it's definitely worth discussing and, and looking at the specs of those things. They're you know, not going to obviously deliver what PCs can, but are going to reach a very mass market. So definitely worth talking about. The graphics card thing is quite interesting as well, especially from someone that, you know, not too long ago bought a 2080. Uh, so there we go. Right. So leagues and one-off events. So um, that's the one I've come up with, and I did say in the uh, in the PM to you guys, I'll come up with a better with a better title, but for the for the podcast, and hopefully I will by the time I upload it. But um, I think first off, we need to discuss what goes into an event um, as a driver and as an organizer, Danny. I think that's where we probably want to start because leagues. I don't think people really appreciate the amount of work that goes in as a driver and as an organizer for these events to to take place. Uh, for our sim races? Well, as a driver, I guess it will depend on each one because from my experience, you you have in leagues both people that don't practice and just turn up and... Well, not because they're not completely rookies, but they just... They've played enough and they don't really want to to be winning everything. They just want to have a nice championship with a points uh, table and with people that are constantly the same on track every week to, to have a kind of a community. But yeah, to organize it, yeah, that's there's definitely a lot done behind the scenes that people might not know and might not even um, realize like uh, the work. Of course, there's all kind of leaks, but it can go from a simple points table to all the way through to live student events with live stream and uh, yeah, penalty systems and uh, post-racing penalties and yeah, so yeah, it's that there's definitely a lot to to talk about about what goes beyond behind the scenes. Yeah, I think behind the scenes has definitely changed recently when we're seeing platforms like Sim Racing GP, which is, you know, which we are affiliated with. You know, it's why we mention it a lot because it's it's giving people the ability to concentrate on running the events rather than doing the admin. Because back in the day. Uh, when events are taking place at race department with the leagues, people have to keep a spreadsheet, you know, and that and that is time consuming. And then you have to take penalties into account because, as as you just mentioned there, Danny, there is live stewarding, but also there's stewarding after an event because stewards, as we know, can only look at what they're looking at from the feed of the game. They may not necessarily spot every instant. And then from a driver's perspective... To then record that what's taking place um, and upload it somewhere to say that someone can review it. You know, I've done one-off events where I've, I've been involved in an incident which I felt wasn't my fault. And sometimes I just can't be bothered to go through the that personal admin to upload something somewhere to, to report it to someone to get somebody to review an incident. Yeah, that's uh, it's unfortunately in the most of the leagues that I've taken part, that's still... All the leagues are trying to make sure that the, the, the driving standards improve because that's what most people, that's mostly what most people want in when it racing the league is to have the same people that they're running week in week out to have a championship and also but mainly to have clean races, fair races, 
Um, and of course, if there's an incident, so uh, get them get it reported so that then uh, the right punishment is applied. The thing is that these, uh, at least of what I've seen, the way of reporting penalties so far, of course, has to be quite precise because you can't just say, "Oh, it happened on that turn." Uh, here's a replay with a, some strange camera angle and. I mean, stewards, and uh, you will know, like, we can't just assess something and from a weird camera angle and then with somebody's point of view. We need to be able to look at each car's point of view from the onboard and, of course, from the outside as well helps seeing all the throttle inputs, steering inputs. So, of course, if somebody has to record all this to submit an incident, I have come across, unfortunately, many people say, ah, I'm just not bothered. And the problem is that then, in this case, uh, Quite a few incidents go unpunished, and people get away with uh, doing certain yeah. moves that shouldn't. They shouldn't. So that's why it's not perfect yet. But uh, it depends. I mean, it the it's actually uh, it's it is a responsibility of drivers to make sure they report incidents. Uh, otherwise, because it's it's on them if they want cleaner racing, they have to report those incidents. Yeah, that's it. I think that's a really good point. Is that it's you know when I've hosted events at race departments, park club races, you know people would. PM me and complain about something and I'd be like well you need to report that if that did happen provide the evidence and if you don't and then that same person does something again you're the only per you're to blame because you haven't necessarily re reported that and and like you say people get away with it um in a you know in a league I guess it's more it's it's more important to do that and I would if I if I felt something was missed because if I was taking part in a league which I have recently been doing I would go out of my way and report it and actually I've got OBS set up ready and waiting and that's how I record my screen and then just go through the replays I don't bother editing it because once it's uploaded to YouTube and I share the link people can just fast forward the bits you know I try to make it less pain 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 less painful or make it painless for myself. I, I think to have forgotten English tonight, and apologies for that. <laughs> it's my first, you wouldn't believe it was my first language. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I tried, I've, I've streamlined that process because I've had to use it a couple of times and because it is a ball ache when you're like, oh, okay, now I've got to go and find that bit and go and record it. And like you say, you've got to do the two onboards from yourself and then you do external cans from both cars. You've got to make sure you have the HUD on and things like that. And um I think I recorded an incident a few weeks ago and then I realised that I hadn't done something correctly. I had to do do it all again, which is a bit of a, yeah. a, bit of a pain once you realise you've made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, it's part of it all. I mean, before, I mean, we go to, we don't need to go that far back for people to sign up to leagues and say, do you understand the rules and agree to, uh, yes. And then they, on the race day, they're asking for a password or they don't know at what time the event starts. So they clearly yeah. didn't read the rules. <laughs> So, yeah, that, I mean, to be fair to me, I I do find I I, I still struggle with that as well sometimes. Like, and and, and it, the league I, I was doing recently at, at ACCSS, you know, everything was in Simulation GP. It's all there, so I just have to click through. But I just I'm just I'm only I'm doing it once I'm joining the joining the server. But before that, I had because I did an event yesterday. I did a a two point four hour event at Silverstone. But prior to the event, I did a bit of practicing. So I had looked at the server config to see what the ambient temperature was and things like that, just so I could get the tires where I felt were in, were in their maximum um, operating, you know, window. So, yeah, it's... Um, 
and as and going back to being an organizer i haven't necessarily organized an event but i have helped with stewarding but it's not just you know it's getting people to sign up it's getting the comms out there it's then making sure that the drivers are briefed it's then making sure the stewards are doing what they're supposed to do so let's let's talk about this danny i know we've jest about it but you gave me a drive through in an event. <laughs> Here we go. Right? Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, me... pay attention but, to this. But, 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 this is, but this is my point. It's like, I was talking to someone about this yesterday, and, it, and it, it's it's just a genuine a genuine topic. It's not digging you out or anything. Yeah, I know. Don't worry. That drive through should never have happened, right? It was, I mean, it was a penalty, but it was too harsh a penalty for what, you know, this all came up at the weekend with Lewis Hamilton as well, you know, in Formula One. He got two five-second penalties, and some people felt maybe that was a little bit too harsh because it wasn't necessarily a racing infringement. It was, you know, against the the directors, the racing directors' guidelines and so forth. And people felt that it probably was worth a reprimand. And that's the thing I think you see in stewarding for real events. And it must be hard for people that organise an event because you want things to be fair but you also want to try and get things consistent. And how you review an incident to how I review an incident might be different. Yeah. So that's, got to, that, that's a tough thing to get right. Yeah, so it, it, because the, what happened in, in this specific case was that um, I've, uh, I've been stewarding in, another, in other communities as well. And, yeah. um, of course, and the rules change from community to community, although they're pretty much all the same and the penalties tend to line up more or less for the incidents caused. Um, but I, well, this goes out to all the world, so hand on heart. I I did read through the ACCSS rules a bit quickly, but I had missed up some, I had missed some updates about uh, some things that had changed. So uh, that penalty that I gave you should not have been that harsh according to the rules. So then I ended up uh, yeah, penalizing you over what I should have done for that incident, which which becomes too heavy because it was a, a very short sprint race. So, of course, yeah, they but, have but, to scale. But you, but you see it, you see it though in real motorsport as well, though, don't you? You see it because they have it. They have a driver steward now, don't they? Someone that's got experience, and also Steve, who organises ACCSS, suggested yesterday that it would be great if each participant actually did steward one race to appreciate how about how stewarding how tough it is Bec you know because people that are on the end of a stewarding decision can get a little bit shall we say emotional yeah because uh, when you're involved you're always biased especially at the beginning when it happens because your your first reaction is oh, what just happened why did it just happen yeah. and then you yeah. the automatic reaction is okay I didn't do anything wrong because I was driving my car so something else must have happened but once you when you cool down you go back and you look at it from different angles uh, like I haven't reported in a long time any incident because every time I I'm involved in anything of course if I get annoyed I get annoyed but then I have to continue my race and then I only look at it after the race or even maybe the, the next day so that I can look at it with a cool head and look at all the points of view look at the steering inputs look at where I place myself on track and I thought huh Actually, here I've done this. Yeah, that's nothing wrong with that. But I created a risky situation. Maybe if I just had stayed a bit of a little bit over there, that other car would never have hit me in the first place. So I could have done better. So in the end, um, 
it's not always the other one who is at fault. We have to look at it, try to be as impartial yeah. as possible. And that's what stewards have to do in the races. And I think, yeah, um, of course, if everybody stewarded one time, they would appreciate what is actually done. And I think people, uh, unfortunately, I see sometimes some people decide to just leave the leagues halfway because they say, oh, people crash too much. It's just the standards are really poor. I don't want to race here anymore. And they just leave. Mm -hmm. But they sh in, I recommend to these people, if they're listening, to just, well, first, not give up because although it's tough, I mean, it can be part of racing, but the best thing you can do is to continue racing and to report those incidents because the more incidents that are reported by everyone, uh, the better, well, the people involved will be penalized and Either they will learn, or if they continue doing the same mistakes, they will eventually receive a race ban or something. So if everybody keeps reporting these incidents, uh, although it takes work, it will, on the long run, make the races cleaner. So it's yeah. everybody has a bit of responsibility to make it happen, not just the stewards, Agreed. but the drivers as Agreed. well. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree with that. And just, just for dear listeners that are listening to this, Davide is here, but he hasn't done a league, so he felt that he couldn't contribute to this section. So um, I'm not ignoring him. I'm just... <laughs> David David is going to come into his own in the later part of this uh, of this podcast. Yeah, so, guys. And, unless you have anything to interject at any point, David A, then just let me know and we'll bring you into the conversation. Yeah, in that case, I'll raise a hand. I, I'm listening to, to everything you guys saying, but uh, yeah, dear, dear listeners, as Paul was saying, uh, I've never participated in a league or even just in an event. My only online races have been uh, on grid on the PS3, <laughs> something like uh, ten or uh, eight years ago. Okay, so so, be so before we it. move on to the next the next topic that I've got here, why have you never? This is this would be a good question. Why have you never taken part in a league? Because basically, I am afraid that I will not be able to, you know, uh, honor all of the events and races. Right. Uh, and uh, I know that. Uh, Almost all of the leagues, uh, and it, it is right to do so, um, penalize the drivers that do not participate uh, in uh, at least uh, the 75 or 80 percent of the races. It, it, um, it varies from league to league. And, uh, you know, that puts a pressure on me because uh, I get uh, afraid that I won't be able to stick to the calendar, that I'm going to get banned and not take part in future races or events. So all of that uh, uh, paralyzed me in a, in a way. No, that's, so, that's a, yeah, that, I mean, I, I completely get that. I, you know, I personally... Uh, but like I get involved, I get asked to do other bits outside of race department and whatnot, and I turn around and say, "Look, I, I can't commit to to doing that." And I think I've talked about it before. Like you know, when I'm doing other bits and pieces like the podcast and uh, stuff at race department, and I'm racing at ACCSS, I don't want to overcommit because then I won't have any time to myself and other things. And I don't, I don't want to be one of those people that overpromises. And so I completely get that. I do understand that. And like, you're right. Certain leagues say you've got to be there for hundred percent of the races. Other leagues, 80, I think ACCSS is pretty lenient at about 50% of the races. So, um, so yeah, it, I completely, yeah, completely get where you're coming from. Day day. Uh, Danny, back yes. to you. So, whether you're in a league or I know you'd be doing some endurance events as well. Uh, how, how do you practice? How much do you do? What, what kind of approach do you take? 
Uh, it tends to vary a bit. Uh, on my, I do a, a league, a GT3 league with on ACC, and uh, for that one, there's a thing that on ACC I've driven in. Well, what I consider to myself enough on all tracks to kind of know them quite well, so that I don't need, really need a lot of practice before each race. I do maybe half an hour on the day, or maybe if I, have, if I get some spare time, I do it on the day before as well, just to shake a bit of the rust off and get used to the car and the track con uh, mm. combination. But uh, Do you always stick to the same car, do you switch? Uh, for the leagues, I I first had, I started with, okay, I'm going to use the car. I checked the, the sign-up list to see, okay, I'm going to pick up pick a car that nobody else picks so that there's a bit more variety in the grid. Yeah. But then, so <laughs> what happened was that I ended up always like pre-season going for the Honda because nobody picked it. But I struggled so much to drive it and to be on pace. <laughs> like I was quite far off my normal pace with most other cars. So I decided, okay, yeah. it has to be enjoyable. It has to be fun and I have to diversify the grid, but also I should enjoy and feel a bit competitive still. So I decided to go with other cars, so I've mostly driven the Lamborghini a while ago, but now I mostly just run the the Nissan GT GTR. That's uh, the car I've I run, which is I've also got, not I've the fastest that, car. I've not driven that one yet. It's not the fastest car on on most tracks, but it's uh, I like the way it drives. On a couple of tracks, it is actually quite good, like Laguna Seca, for example. So that's the car I've, and I've of course the more you drive it, the more you get to know it and. Then I can start venturing with a bit more, like I would say, the medi medium level setup tweaks mm -hmm. that, uh, that one shouldn't touch if one doesn't know what they're doing. But since <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm doing after time, so since, since like... I know the car more or less, I can start doing a few extra clicks here and there and see how the car behaves. And um, mm -hmm. so it, I definitely like the 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 feature of getting to know a car well, so that you can then push it further and further. Yeah, since you know yeah. it. So that's what I use. But on GT4, I tended to, if there are events, like endurance events, that mix GT3 and GT4, I tend to just uh, take a different GT4 car for each race, just to have a little uh, pick with all of them. And there okay. I, of course, since they're new, I do a bit more practice for those long races because we need to do practice stint times, sometimes some leagues, uh, some endurance organizing organizers mandate that some tires have to be double stinted, for example. So we need to practice that as well. So there's quite a bit more, for me, uh, practice on the endurance races because it's mainly A, a new GT4 card I haven't driven before, and B, uh, different maybe weather conditions and double stinting of tires and so on. Yeah, okay. I mean, I've never taken part in a proper endurance event. I've done the 2.4 hour events that I've, that I've mentioned previously. I, and I said I just did one on Sunday and, and my shoulders are feeling that event because it was wet. Ooh. So there was a, it, it was quite... So around Silverstone, so the race started at... I think it was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I got the PSI and the tyres right. The, the practice and the quality were greasy. That was fun. I managed to qualify fifth out of 30. And then... The rain came, had to swap tyres, then it dried up again, and then the rain came again, and that was it. And it was wet for the remainder of the race. My my shoulders are absolutely killing. Mm. Yeah, like anything. I've, I've taken a different approach to practice um, of late, and I think I owe a little bit of that to Driver 61, the course that I did. Though, hands up, I didn't get to finish it because I suffered with sciatica. 
But I've taken some learnings away from that. And I think the biggest learnings for me is watching myself back. So going external to the car, having a look at my lines. Not only that, making sure I'm using all of the, all of the track. I think that's really important because... Mm-hmm. It, it became apparent to me that I wasn't. So where you could go over the rumble strips in some corners, some you can't. Uh, and also my braking. So before I would be on off the brakes, the car would become unsteady. And that's why I would spin as where, so improving my trail braking. So, you know, paying proper attention to to slowing the replay. Because I like, what I like about ACCs, you can really slow the replay down, see when I'm hitting the brakes. So when I do a good lap, go back, watch it. See when I'm hitting the brakes and then looking at am I bleeding the brakes off nicely? And then as I the apex, I'm I'm just come off the brakes. And I do that now. So I sit, you know, I'm not I'm not running for hours and hours and hours. The the the, the next season two for ACC SS is at Monza. And I'm not very good at Monza. It's just not a track that I enjoy. And I think we all have that. If if you tell me tomorrow I'm racing at Brands Hatch, I'll be really excited because I'm quick around Brands Hatch and I don't I don't know why, I just am. And we were I was discussing this with a few other races yesterday because I told them my lap time, I'm like, oh that's really quick. Because I am, I'm just quick around there. And then I was in ACC, and I know there are the in ACC um and I know this is in other games, I was looking at my stats, and it turns out I'd raced 20 hours around Spa. 20 hours, I've done nearly 4,000 kilometers around Spa. And of course, that's why I'm good at it. Because when I look at the other tracks, I've done an hour here, an hour there, and I'm not anywhere near on the pace that I am when it comes to to Spa. So fundamentally, it comes down to practice. Yeah, ultimately, first we, to get to a certain like when where the curve of improving starts to level off, it's we basically need a lot of hours and getting. Getting the lines, but like you said, making the most of the track is, I think, one of the first things to do to make sure yeah. we use the track to its fullest potential. And then it's running lap in and lap in and lap in until we eventually hit some plateau. And then it's, uh, well, if we want to improve even further, then we have to either get some more coaching or get, like, so watch some fast guys on YouTube and see what lines they take or what setups tweaks they make or what braking techniques they use. Or, uh, But uh, yeah, until then, they're still. The first thing is to get enough laps in so that the you basically know the track inside out. That's I think the the first. Yeah, step. and 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 also preparing for where certain brake markers get taken out, so you're not relying on the brake markers. You're relying on like like an orange on the wall or a tree or or a marshal being your braking point because during a race, you know, accidents do happen and brake markers get taken out. Yeah, it's um, a it's a rule rule number one of getting to know a track is to pick. Uh, uh, reference points for breaking market and so on that are fixed and not destroyable. And that's not so yes. easy in, on all tracks. No, it's not. No, no. But I use things like... Um, uh, I use things like the... Um, the Oh, the curbs and things like that as well. Like, I have little objects I can use to as, as, a, as a breaking point. But... I mean, I know, you know, talk, t- what I find, what I found really interesting about the Driver 61 course is that it just made me realise that something so obvious as watching your replays back, why well, I'd never done it. And I th- I feel that I'm taking it more seriously, 
my racing. And I'm never going to be alien speed. I know that. I, you know, it doesn't matter what I do. And I'm getting closer to those alien speeds. Um, and I surprised myself yesterday by, quali by qualifying fifth at Silverstone. But I think it just shows that the practice and the and and I and I can see that when I break properly and I'm and I and I'm paying so I noticed that round certain corners at Monza and I, I'm terrible at track name track corner names I'm not going to even bother trying but there's one particular corner I noticed that I'm not going on the brakes hard enough and then what I'm doing is I'm going on off on off and I don't know why I'm doing it at that particular corner because the rest of the corners I'm trail breaking. And it's just identifying those weaknesses and concentrating on that particular corner because you know that the other 12 or 13 corners on a particular track are okay. That one corner is your focus and that's where you're going to gain maybe half a second if you get that braking spot on. And if you realise you're doing it at four or five corners, then, you know, trail braking, gain, if you get it right, you can gain a lot of time on the brakes. I don't think people realise. And if you're gaining two hundreds of seconds at every single corner. You could gain a second round one one lap. So I think um, once I will do, I probably will sign up for the Driver 61 course again and actually complete it this time around because I, I do feel like it's made me, it's made me better um, and it's made me just realise and dissect myself a little bit, which I never did, which I never did before. Top tip, there's 20% discount for RD premium users on that course. There are, yes, there is, yes, even. Yes, there is. So check out racedepartment.com. You have to be a premium member to get access to that code. So, Danny, you mentioned you've done a few um, endurance races. Is is that where you where you see yourself at the moment? Is that what you enjoy doing? Yeah, I think with all all that's been going on, I'm I'm aiming to do. Uh, this also is something that I've actually seen uh, in one one podcast or podcast with. Um, with David Perel that does the that runs on the uh, uh, GT World Challenge, he at some point during this lockdown he was he was having like three races a week and he said like oh my god, uh, there was a small mistake in one race because of some button because it changed from I racing to ACC and then the teammate couldn't take over but he had to go to another race so I I also noticed that too many races at once can be a bit too much so I'm basically sticking to one league. And also yep. one endurance race per month. That's what I'm doing now. Okay. So, yeah. which is, I think, is a good balance and uh, gives enough time to prepare, not having to rush like every week with a big race. So, one endurance race per month. And when I say endurance, is at least six hours. The, they've been, I've done uh, one, I've done two races with two eight hour races at Laguna Seca, actually. One 12 hour in Suzuka. And I'll be doing another one. I'll be doing a nine-hour at Paul Ricard. And I hate Paul Ricard. <laughs> I absolutely detest that track. Once you learn to love it, man, it's actually really cool. <laughs> you just have to pass that that barrier. But it's well, yeah. I mean, I've never done any. I've never done, like I say, a proper endurance event. I think partly I, because I don't want to let anybody else down. I think that's what scares me a little bit. Is I don't want to be that person in a four-man team that wrecks the car. I know it happens. Like it can happen, man. There's not much you can do. It happened, yeah. But I don't want to. I don't want to be the the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the 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 black swan in the family <laughs> or in the team. You know, like I don't want to be that. 
Oh, you don't have and to be like the first thing to avoid this because it, it. I was, I totally understand what you're talking about, and I actually, I was myself in one of those uh, one, a black swan once. It was actually a couple of years ago already. It was on R Factor Two. With, it was with the End Racers mod. There mm. was a, I think it was a thousand kilometers of Bathurst, I think, and I was with um, our good friends uh, RMI. So it was Roy Magnus and. Uh, which is uh, also a, a staff member here at Race Department, and a yep. Swedish guy, uh, Jonathan Ockerklint, like quite fast guys, and I was already the slowest guy on the team. And then um, the thing basically is that you just have to do enough, make sure you do enough practice in order to be confident with the car and like keep banging consistent laps, even if they're not mega fast. You have to make sure yeah. that you're, you yeah, feel yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I had just received the new wheel at the time and it, I was still setting things up. So I was okay with the car and the track, but only all with my old wheel. And then I got with my new wheel and it sometimes got disconnected and I crashed on the mountain. And we were, I think, we were running top 10, I think, at the time out of 40-something cars. And then I, when I got in the car, I just totally ruined it for the team and had to crash. And when I came into the pits, I forgot to select the next driver, so I had to get out and do another lap, and oh, it was terrible. <laughs> so I definitely know how it feels. And uh, unfortunately, that was that kind of ruined the result for a team. But fortunately for me, it uh, really showed me, okay, this is actually not just about me. If I mess this up, I'm going to be annoyed, but I'm also going to make other people annoyed that put some time into this. So to not mm. make this happen again, I just have to make sure I'm ready. And people just need to... Prepare. I had a teacher in the first year of university saying that failing to prepare is preparing for failure, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I think you kind of you kind of lead into the next question, which what have you learned from doing these events and and leagues? Yeah, basically to like in leagues now, I don't prepare that much in terms of like practice because I'm kind of routine, so I don't really need to do that much, that many practice runs, but. Uh, basically because it's because I already feel prepared for these events mm -hmm. uh, and for the endurance ones of course I do get make sure I do a, a few stint runs to make sure that I'm comfortable with the car with a high fuel and new tires and then at the end of the stint with low fuel but used tires well, I'm guessing you also have to practice with the same setup right as yes well? it's also about making sure that uh, right away when you set a team uh I'm just normally running from the aggressive setup on ACC and then do a few tweaks, uh, but nothing major. If there's somebody that is more comfortable with doing some changes, then normally it should be delegated to him to set up the building of the, the setup. And then, of course, mm -hmm. he should be sharing it with the rest of the drivers and the rest of the drivers should drive and give some feedback and say, oh, now I can't control the car on that corner. So uh, could we go back one step on this? or So that there should be a person kind of responsible to making sure the setup is stable for all drivers. It doesn't matter if one is a blistering quick with it, if the other two can control the car. So, so here's a question for you, for someone that's not done in endurance league. I, I see quite a few streamers now when, they, when they're streaming their events or have the other drivers in the chat. Do you find that useful to you, having those drivers there? Uh, you mean on the... Or, or, do you want, or do you want to be left alone and just to concentrate on what you're doing? Or do you like them warning mm. you that... A car or something might be happening, or keeping you abreast with what's going on. Uh, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a balance. Sometimes, like on my last race, at some point I was I was really banging some really good laps at some point, and it was quiet and well, maybe there was not. I was a bit alone on track, so there was nothing to do. So they actually just kept silent, and I I did like a good half solid half an hour of good laps. But sometimes, especially when there's either traffic coming 
to because mm-hmm. it's um, if you have somebody telling you just like you have the in-game spoiler already telling you a few things about flags and so on, mm-hmm. um, it helps if there's somebody in your ears telling you, oh, uh, the guy approaching you is a uh, like is going to lap you or um, uh, he's faster than you. So it saves you having to look at the um, relative time board on the screen. It's maybe yeah. not a big thing, but it, it's you can really focus on your driving and just get the information yeah. you need without having to calculate, mm, is that a lapping car? Is that a car from the pits? Yeah. So that helps yeah, a bit. Yeah, yeah. Of course it does. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've, all, we've all done it when we glanced out the library screens and then we're off at a corner, right? We've all done that because, I don't, I, you know, it makes me respect Formula 1 drivers and other drivers out there that can talk and drive these cars at the same time because as soon as my part of my mental capacity goes to acknowledging something so that's the thing like when someone says to you in your team look there's a car coming up behind you i'm guessing you're just listening to that you're not acknowledging it you're just absorbing that information or are you acknowledging that you've received that message uh, i just listen because uh, it goes yeah. like uh, if they say it i will if i don't understand what they say or if it's unclear i would say can you repeat or i can just say right. either like copy or okay but otherwise yeah. i just don't yeah. say anything if it's clear enough yeah because i, I my, my fear would be if I tried to di- enter some kind of dialogue, my my brain, I'm using part of my brain capacity, which is keep me on the track and off I go. Nah, in so. the focus times, like, uh, of course, some tracks have it easier than others, but um, yeah. I have some, like, some people I've driven with, and uh, I had a friend who's also quite fast, and sometimes I used to just spot for him on some races, and we would have a chat the whole way, and he would, like, keep his breaking markers, like, all the time. So he could basically multitask perfectly, and I think most aliens can. If you just look at Jardy and the way he streams and talks to chat and types on chat. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, but I... But I think a lot of that is also down to repetitiveness. Yeah, I guess mo- they mostly drive on, like, uh, many things are already unconscious when they're, they're breaking and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think It's also mechanized. Yeah, I think, because I reckon if you spoke to me around Spa, I probably would stay on the track. Other, other circuits, no way... Jose. No, I, I uh, mostly just but, but, on the straights. For me, it's still on the straights. I managed to have uh, some conversation or do some setup, yeah. cha- like tire pressure changes and stuff. But if I'm racing yeah. in the corners, I, I ask them to be silent or I will only reply when I'm myself on the next straight. Mm. Yeah, I, going back to the Silverstone event I mentioned on Sunday, you know, because I, I was having to put the wets on. Last time I put the wets on, they went a little bit hot. So I was in the menu reducing the PSI of the tyres and actually got them bang on for the for that for that wet stint that I was about to do. So, yeah, it's it's trying to find, you know, a long straight to do, right, I've done that tyre, next straight, do that tyre, <laughs> yeah. right, next straight, do that tyre. And you really have to think about it. And that's the thing, it's like... You know, I'm, like I say, I'm only, you know, I did a league years ago in F1 20, whatever it was, but this was just something else, you know. And there was a race where I hit the wrong button instead of the pit limiter, so I, you know, broke the speed limit and got a stop and go 30 second penalty or drive through, wherever the game gives you, I can't remember. Um, there was another, another race where I did race one, had a really bad race one. Uh, had X amount of fuel left, took out some fuel, but didn't take into account, actually, you went through the pits four times, and then in the second race, I was running sixth, running really well, and had to stop for some fuel just to get me over the, to get me around the last lap. And I've learned from things, and I've learned to practice pit entries and pit stops, because I find the pit stops in ACC pretty challenging to stop at the box, like spot it, spot on where you need to. But it's, you know, learning. Also, I've learned about being a bit more patient with my overtakes. You know, not trying to force something yeah. because if you force something, that's when something's likely going to go 
wrong. Something that we've learned, I think, because I do a bit of stewarding with you at ACCSS, we did a Bathurst race. And there were a few new guys in that race. But what me and Steve decided at the last minute we were going to steward it. It was a two 2.4-hour race. And it was really good because I think it, it kind of made Steve realise that people weren't, you know, obeying the yellow flags. And so the rules are being updated to be a little bit harsher if you're ignoring the yellow flags. And because when there's a yellow flag, you know, you are supposed to lift off because you don't know what's coming up. There was an incident in the race where uh, three cars ahead of one car. Um, so there were three. There was an incident where a car had spun in the mountain. You know how tight mm -hmm. it is in that bit. And three cars got round, and the fourth car hit Ouch. the stationary car. They were given a drive through for not slowing down on the yellow flags. And the driver concerned got a little bit irate. Um, and was, you know, having a, a, a tour and back and fro. And Steve invited them to do a bit of stewarding, which I think they did at the weekend. And I think it's a good way of kind of placating those people to understand, look, come and, come and help us steward and understand. And, you know, you've got to understand is that th we're not punishing you. Well, we are punishing you in a way, but we're not, nothing personal, is there? No, of course. The other three cars all slowed down and navigated them. But it also highlighted that people aren't. So now the rules have been changed along the lines of, if there's an incident... And we catch you not slowing down as you go through it. You will be given a drive-through penalty. It's as simple as it was. It's as simple as that. You will be given a penalty because we want to. Because there's no, there's no point trying to plow through it and then you end in your race. But not only your race, another five guys behind you. You know, it's it and it and I think I'm going to take a different approach. Like the race I did yesterday, I was just taking my time. Yeah, I was fast in the guy ahead, but I wasn't to do anything rash. One, because the conditions were really tricky. So I was breaking a lot earlier than him. But actually, he was making gains doing that, would you believe? But I kind of like, as the season went on, I felt like I matured. I, I, I was still annoyed at myself about an incident in Barcelona, the last round, which, you know, should never have happened. I, I clipped another driver. But I've learned a lot uh, from doing the first season. And I think the other drivers have as well. And also, you learn about who you can race against. Yeah, that's a good thing about the leagues because you just get to know the drivers and then you yes, get to know how yes. they and behave you, on track. And you get to know who to, who to be a little bit careful around <laughs> as well without naming names, you know? Like, <laughs> so you do, you 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 learn. Um, and I think that all comes as part of the, the package. And I'm sure you'll probably... Because some drivers will prefer the league. Kind of going back to David Day's point earlier on, you know, when you do a league, you're committing to, you know, a, a potentially an event week after week or maybe an event every two weeks or whatever it may be. With uh, an endurance race, David Day might actually do one of those because he can just, like that weekend, I've got free, I'm doing that endurance event. And I can see why they've got a, lot, a bit of popularity, especially with the release of the GT, GT, um, GT4 cars in ACC. There's definitely a bit of a a bit of an increase. Yes, David. There would be only one problem to convince my girlfriend to leave me the weekend free to to race. But does that just just become a bit of an irritant, and I'm sure she won't mind then. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think that yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's I, a I can good see idea. that's why people find them popular because you haven't got to commit. A, a huge amount of time. Okay, there's got to be a bit of practice involved, and like Danny was saying, a bit of stinting and so forth. But you can just, that's just the one event. I'm prepping for that for this week or whatever, however long you want to take. Um, and I think that's a, that, that could see why, I could see why that appeals to people. I really can. So, next question, Danny, for you. 
Moving on, I'm just looking at the time. Mm -hmm. Do you only do events which are broadcast, or do you not? Do you not mind? I don't really mind. Um, it's nice to look back, but I realized that at the beginning it was oh, it was so cool if I could see watch back the broadcast. But to be honest, uh, I find it much more interesting to drive than to watch any kind of racing, and then including my own because. Uh, to be honest, what well, at least what I like is to race myself. So if there's no broadcast, it's fine. Because anyway, if there's a broadcast and I'm racing, I'm not watching it live. And I'm not a big fan of watching uh, races after they have been run, like later. So to me, it doesn't really make a difference. Of course, it's <laughs> not that anybody cares, but I sometimes just put up my... Get the link of this broadcast if there is one and send it to like to my parents and my brother. Hey, I'm going to do a race <laughs> this weekend. And then my mother is actually... My brother got it to connected his laptop once to the TV and my, my parents were watching, although they understand nothing about sim racing. But uh, <laughs> they were watching on and I, I barely showed up on screen. Maybe showed once in a whole eight-hour race, but they saw me and they were like all, all excited. Oh, it's him driving. Oh, my God. So, but I mean, I don't really mind. I Over broadcasting, I'm, I very much prefer events to... Like, if there are limited resources of people involved in the organizing of the event, I would I prefer that... These resources that are put into the live stewarding of the event rather than the broadcast. I mean, live stewarding first and then broadcast second. That's my my opinion, though. Okay, no, I, I get that. I get that. I, you know, the, the the event I took part yesterday wasn't broadcast. I did it because I wanted to take part, and I knew that it was going to be challenging, potentially challenging weather as well. And I haven't really done a lot of wet races in ACC. Because generally, when they happen, they end up being the blooming white lightning. But actually, yesterday was really good mixed conditions. And in the second half of the race, I got the... You know when you get the pit stop spot on? <laughs> so I've gone in to change... So I followed... There was a guy in front of me. I followed him into the pits. And um, there's some new symbols for the weather, which I'd never seen before. Like the, the, when the rain's coming in, it's got a plus on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It's never changed seen like a few updates ago. When, when there's a plus, it means it's going to rain more. And when there's a minus, it means it's going to rain less. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it had a plus, and it was like three minutes. So I pulled into the pits, and as the wet tires went on, the game went wet tires optimum. I'm like, bam, oh, yeah. got this bang on, baby. And then I looked behind me, and I'd, I'd overtaken the car in front of me during. No, actually, no, that's like I gained on him in the pits, actually, which was nice. Which normally I lose time in the pits. And then the guys behind me, I lost. I, I gained thirty seconds on them because I think they stayed out a lap too long. Mm -hmm. Which I did, which I did the first time round. To be fair, so I made, you know, I made up for my original mistake. But then I pushed way too hard <laughs> in the wet and span a few times, unfortunately, and uh, lost those thirty seconds um, and fell back to eighth in the end. And that's where I finished. But really good experience. Yeah, it's all good and, learning. And you always learn from. Oh the next yeah, ones. and it, we we had it was a ten times multiplier, so it did the whole twenty four hour window. So. You know, driving in the wet with the lights on, wipers going, was just a, an un, an unreal experience, and that's why my shoulders are aching today because the you know it's, it just shows you how much easier it is to drive on a on a dry circuit. Yeah. So need to get some proper yeah, really stretching now, like stretching the muscle. It's no joke. Like we think it's just a game, or it's not really real. We don't have the G forces, blah blah, but. Uh, the upper back and the shoulders, they get a lot of uh, small like, but rapid movements. So it's very important to actually warm up properly before and stretch afterwards, especially after a wet race. Yeah, oh, it was it was it was something something else. And 
you know, and regarding streams, I do watch them back because it's actually quite good to see the rest of the race sometimes. It's nice when you see an overtake that you've done that you're particularly proud of to get caught by the broadcasters. It was quite funny, actually, because I was watching one of the streams back a few weeks ago and they were like, there are no close battles. And I'm looking at the timing screens going, well, yeah, mine was a close battle. You just missed it. <laughs> and, then the, and then they missed my overtake. And I found, I made me giggle. So I'm like, I'm looking at the timing screens. There's no close battles. I'm looking at the timing screen myself on the replay going, yeah, I'm two tenths behind that guy. I think that's pretty close. I mean, um, and the next next lap, I overtook them. But as someone who's done broadcasting myself, it's not easy. No, you can catch everything. You can't catch. You can't catch everything unless you've got, a, you know, everybody on site feeding into this into a into the main broadcaster, which we, you know, which takes lots and lots of money uh, to be able to achieve something like that. Um, but I do enjoy watching them back. I do enjoy reading the reading the comments as well in the chat on Twitch and so forth. Um, so yeah, uh, and I, I sometimes then go and like you say, we touched on earlier on. I will go back and watch an instant to understand because you know I'll swear blind. That wasn't my fault, and then I watch it back and go, oh actually that was my fault. I'll uh, I'll take that one on the chin. That actually was my fault because you you see things completely different in the um, in the heat at the moment, which yeah. you said earlier on. Um, so just nearly going to bring this section to a, to a close. Any frustrations with league racing or endurance racing? Is there anything that really gets you on your go? Yes. Um, those incidents where you can't do much about and it is clearly somebody else's fault, fault and you get taken out and it's... But of course you can report and it will be dealt with. But that can ruin somebody's race. It can, be, it can ruin your race and if you're... It depends again on how committed you are. Of course people are committed if they take part in a league, but there are some people that really want to do their best and try to be as near the top as possible. And it can be a bit annoying when on, during the first lap there's somebody that goes for... Because some people unfortunately still think that they can make the most uh, gain on the first lap, which is true. But sometimes they try a bit too much and end up ruining the race for a few people. So my frustration is yeah. when people are not patient. And I, I really think and hope that people that take part in leagues just are a bit more patient because they... Even though most layouts are like half an hour or one hour sprints it's still not the one lap race so and everybody wants to finish and everybody wants to be fast in a way so yeah i would i would just hope and wish that people are in general more patient during the first laps and sometimes it frustrates me a bit when people really aren't that patient and uh, end up ruining the race for for others yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you're right, especially when it's like a two point four hour race, and so a lot of gains can still be made in a in the rest of the race. Um, and it is frustrating. I mean, uh, going, again, I've mentioned it a few times now, but the Silverstone race yesterday, I was actually really impressed because we. Uh, I thought it was a bit risky at first because I had a bit of a s slow start. I had to, I had to because of the number car. He, I had to back off a little bit, which then I lost momentum, and then I got swallowed by two cars I had one to the left so one to the right so I was in the middle of a sandwich the one to the left backed off and then I let the one on the right go and that again comes with experience it's just by being smart when to choose your battles because if we've both gone into Maggots and Beckett's he's got the line I want I can't take that line and I'm going to I'm likely going to go off and then because you then got the next you got the right and then you got the left I'm probably going to come across the grass <laughs> and then Mayhem's going to ensue so it's just knowing when to make 
those decisions and those smart decisions that it's not thinking short term, it's thinking long term. And it's the thing I bang on about even at work. It's like we always focus on the short term. We, you know, when you want to do some documentation or whatnot, yeah, it's painful to do it. But you know what? In the long term, if you give it, if you do, if you take that hit now in the short term, you'll gain long term. And it's the same in a race. If you just back off, because you might be faster than that guy. And if you know you're faster than that guy, well, you'll get your opportunity in a few laps time anyway. And if you put him under pressure or her under pressure, they'll they'll likely make a mistake. Yeah, and uh, that that's definitely yeah. It's it's thinking the long game, like for in most cases, and uh, because the short game doesn't pay off. Uh, yeah, and not and if you're in a league as well, you got to think about the next events. Like if you pick up two points less in this race that you're in now, say you're in a race now. Those two points less could actually mean that you don't finish as high in the league, you know, in, in five races' time, for instance. Yeah, and uh, there's that. And there's also the fact that uh, one thing I've uh, noticed that it, it does change some people is that people that do league racing, they get more aware of knowing that the track is not only for themselves. Uh, because, of course, well, nothing against hot lappers, so Davide, I still love you. But um, some people that are new to league racing, they they go in and especially during quality and during the first laps, they drive their laps as if they were still doing a in a practice session, and that's what uh, tends to ruin many people's uh, races on the first lap. But with time, especially towards the end of the the leagues, the people that are uh, continuing to drive there, you see actually a change of people knowing that that yeah the track is not only theirs and respecting the space. Um, so that's one of the good takeouts that can be well to put in as a frustration at the beginning, but normally it uh, it it gets a lot better as the races get on. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean it's always easier to chase someone than being chased as well in a race. I've definitely realised that. But last night I was giggling because there was a guy really trying to get past me, and I I was making it really difficult for him until I made an error and he did get past. But then we had a we had a few laps of great battles it was really to the point where we both commented to each other at the end of the race that like great great battle yeah that's worth it you know and that and that's the thing is i think what people forget is that when you league when you do a league yeah you might you might not be the fastest but you know what there'll be someone the same pace as you and you'll and you'll develop some kind of rivalry and and you have something to aim for yeah it's uh because it's it's to be honest, it's no fun to be in a league if you're faster than everybody else and you're like leading from start to finish. That's at least for me. There's not much fun in that. So, no. Uh, it's in a league. It's good because you week week after week you find out who the people that have the same level as you are, and then you get to race with them and you really get to know how they break, how they defend, and and how they try to overtake. And getting to learn how people drive is actually. Well, it's something you don't get in public lobbies because it's new people all the time. It's something that, well, in single player, you can predict the AI, but once you've done it, you've done it. But it's really cool to learn how another human uh, races and get to know their little moves and uh, like habits and then trying to outsmart them. That's I think that's one of the f- most fun parts of, uh, of league racing. Yeah, I touched on it uh, last episode. Steve Warrell, who who organises ACCSS. You know, we, we, he and I develop, we've got, you know, we know each other away from ACCSS through RD where we've, we've done work to go. But, but because of that, we've naturally got a bit of a rivalry. And I beat him in season one. 
And then he stu- he was doing stewarding of the event last night, and he actually said to me yesterday, "I'm a little bit worried now when I saw your pace around Silverstone because <laughs> I've because I I did season one in the Aston, and the reason I've used the Aston is that Paul Jeffrey and I would like, practicing for events earlier on in the year, and he and I was struggling with the I can't remember what car I was driving, but he was like, "Try the Aston, it's quite a stable car," and he was right, and I fell in love with the Aston, and I've driven the Aston ever since. I've not driven any other car, but now I've made an actual change for season two and I've chosen the Ferrari now. Mm. And I'll be honest, the first few laps around Monza didn't, weren't going too well, but I realised it was me, not the car. And actually, I started to come <laughs> around Silverstone last night. I thought the Ferrari was a bit of a rocket. Um, better on the brakes than I expected it to be as well. But, <laughs> David is muted, you know, and, 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 but it must be jumping around of joy <laughs> right now. Yeah, but but Steve has chosen the same car as well this time, so this will be interesting. But Steve kind of like, I got to say, Paul, I'm a little bit worried when I saw that pace. Because Steve is quick, but he unfortunately he chose the Audi last time, but he blames the Audi for keep, keeping spinning. But I, I don't know how much I, I agree with that sentiment, but time will tell in season two and um, if he's able to keep on the track. Because he's got some pace. I think he's got more pace around Monza than I have. But that's another thing is they, you know, other drivers will be quicker around certain tracks where, and then where they're slower, I'm faster, for instance. So it should all, it should all be about, I'm just a bit disappointed not to see Brands Hatch on the calendar. But that's the good thing about the league, yeah, so. that to have many different races where different cars have some pros and, and cons. To balance it out. Yeah. So, yeah, that's also a good thing about the leagues that you might have an advantage some places and others you might be at a disadvantage. Yeah, so so whilst before we move on to the next topic, just, just talking about leagues, um, RD have announced the GT Championship Season 9, uh, which is to be run on Sim Racing GP. So, you are a premium subscriber uh, to uh, racedepartment.com. You can check out the article at the website. Uh, it's been run in the set of Corsa Capricione. ACC, and uh, I think it's all. It, I know it's all being run on Sim Racing GP, so it's easy enough. If you haven't got an account, you can um, PM Bram Hengelveld, who will get you signed up. Like I say, you need to have um, premium membership, and once you're signed up, you literally just click, and it's all done for you. You just need to choose the car that you wish to take part in the championship, and it starts on Wednesday, October the seventh. And it's four rounds. The first round is at Nürburgring, then it's Silverstone, Kyle Army, which is a track I like, and then the final fourth round is at Spa Frankenshop. And they currently have 30 out of 50 drivers signed up with 20 spots remaining. So that's looking good. And I see a lot of familiar names from race department uh, taking part in that. And like I say, it's on a Wednesday evening. The races are at 18.30 UTC. So if you're interested in that, do sign up. I don't know if it's been streamed or anything. I think it's a bit of a test league, to be honest, just to put uh, Sim Racing GP through its paces. So it might not be streamed, but it's a 45-minute practice, 15-minute qualification, and then a 60-minute race, which the race itself will start at 19.30 UTC. There you go. A little bit of information on that. And as other guys that are on Sim Racing GP, as I've mentioned already, ACCSS and our friends at RCI as well. And I'm sure there are a few more appearing very, very shortly. The um, the, the platform is getting developed, uh, changing day by day. So 
you want to join a league, then like I say, uh, RD GTC Season 9 is about to start in October. So get signed up. Okay, so I think... You got anything else to add, Danny, about leagues before we I move on? I think we covered it quite well. Yeah, yeah. And if people and, have yeah, any questions new, or have anything to share, yeah. they can also do it on the... Once you post the podcast, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what people have to say about their opinions about league racing themselves. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I know, I know a lot of people are kind of scared sometimes to join a league because they don't want to get in the way, but uh, ACC SS is for, is for rookies. We're not ta- they're not taking any more sign-ups at the moment, unfortunately, because they've had... They've got a Friday split, two Saturday splits, and a Sunday split. So they've got a lot of people there. And I think it's um, it, it's just a good way. Just in, And I, you know, I'm not necessarily a rookie, but I'm I'm not that fast. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I fit right in. So there we go. Okay. Bringing Davide into the conversation now. Thank you for thank you for hanging around, Davide. Don't worry. It was interesting to hear your discussion about, uh, you know, leagues, events, and... Uh, uh, all of all of uh, that goes in the background. We can say <laughs> uh, preparation and uh, and so on. It was in. It, I think that is a very interesting topic. Yeah, people, as we see in real motorsport, and it's the same in sim racing. People do get very emotive about when there's an incident and their race gets ruined, and unfortunately, it does happen. And when you ruin someone's races, you know it, it's to send them a message and go, I'm really, really sorry that I ruined your race. <laughs> um, it's like last night, somebody span in the wet in front of me, but because it was so wet, I couldn't really do a lot about it and I hit them. Mm. Um, and I was very, very apologetic because I did the same in front of them and they managed to avoid me. It just so happened that if I slammed on the brakes, I would have hit them anyway because it was so goddamn wet. So, yeah. But they were very um, they were very nice about my apology. So, um, yeah. But I didn't ruin their race. They then crashed later on and ruined their own race. But I felt I felt guilty nevertheless. Yeah, I think so. David, yeah. hardware, hardware, hardware. Um, you're the man for this. Nvidia, and I know that um, AMD. I think have announced some new graphics cards as well. It's gonna um, be. It's gonna be op- hopefully at the end of October, if I remember correctly. So. There is, something's incoming yeah, we have so some rumors. Um, every year now we get new the next generation of nvidia cards and amd cards but uh, nvidia have revealed theirs and they've revealed the the 3080 yeah and the 3090 now i'll be honest when it comes to graphics cards i don't know a great deal obviously people are talking about ray tracing we started seeing the demos of that last year i believe and with the next consoles coming, I think we're going to see ray tracing the PlayStation 5s and the, and the new Xbox S as well. Yes. Um, but my understanding is because I bought a 2080 Super at the start of the year. Am I right in saying that the 3080 is basically the more powerful than a 2080 Ti that Mr. Jeffrey bought? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Basically... Um... Ouch. <laughs> yeah, ouch indeed. Yeah, yeah. there is yeah. A, a, a bit of a riot ongoing on the internet, uh, uh, you know, among the NVIDIA buyers because uh, uh, the new uh, 3080 is uh, um, something like uh, 40 50 percent uh, faster than, uh, than the 2080 Ti for. Uh, uh, way less uh, the price, you know. Depends, of course, which uh, which particular version. If you buy the reference model or a custom model, but uh, you are spending uh, for sure 
something like half the money for more uh, power. And um, the 3070 also it's gonna be as just as powerful as the 2080 Ti or even uh, something uh, maybe slightly. Did you say the 3070 or did you say the 3080? The 3080 is gonna be faster, uh, as, I, as I said, a 40 or 50% more than the 2080 yeah. Ti. The but the 3070 is basically gonna be the equivalent of yeah, the 2080 Yeah, for $500 if I remember correctly. Yeah, $500 for the 3070. <laughs> Well, the 2080 Ti was $1,200. And uh, news just came in today that... Uh, Breaking news, yeah, everybody. Probably, uh, today, the 28th? Uh, no, just after the 3070 launch, uh, probably NVIDIA will announce the 3060 Ti, which is going to be four, around $400. And it's going to be uh, just as fast and uh, as the 2080, if I remember correctly, 2080 or 2080 Super. So, even there, uh, <laughs> brilliant, yeah. brilliant. That's a kick in the nuts yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah I'm for for more. Now look what happens. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter when you buy something like a graphics card. There's always going to be something out more superior 12 months later. Yeah, the thing is that uh, when you buy a graphic card nowadays, uh, or even just a, a CPU, but in those case, uh, in, in those cases, uh, it can be a little bit different. But as for GPUs, uh, you have to be careful as to when the GPU you are interested in is uh, has been released, because if uh, a couple years have passed you may as just, uh, you know, wait a little because probably by the end of that year, you're going to see something new as something uh, most likely more powerful for just uh, as much money or even less. So, uh, you know, if you're in the market for a new GPU, be careful that uh, the model you want to buy is no more than a year old. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, just wait it out a bit. Uh, it, of course, it's a, it's a great moment for uh, new buyers uh, right now, but uh, for those that uh, have just bought a 2080 or a 2080 Ti, it's a very difficult time because even try to resell, uh, to go, you know, for the reselling market, it's um, difficult. Bit of a kick in yeah, the nuts. Because basically, yeah. you yeah. have, a, let's say, a 2080 Ti or $1,200 card, you have to sell it for less than $500 because anyone will say, why do I have to pay $500 for a used card when I can buy a 3070 for just as much, uh, uh, you know, uh, raw power and uh, newer technologies. So basically someone who had just bought a $1,200 card have to sell it for at least a fourth of the price. And the news of the 3060 Ti is just making things <laughs> even harder. So I think that 2080 and 20 Ti owners, uh, un unless you know, they live uh, and swim in, <laughs> in gold and, uh, and dollar bills, uh, just have to, you know. Uh, <laughs> this this topic's depressing me. It's um, it's kind of depressing me a and little bit. But it's, I think that 
I mean, is is it been just from just from an evolution point of view? Is this an evolution, or is or are these graphics cards? Would you say a revolution? No, I would say that uh, this is a proper evolution. Uh, an evolution or revolution? An evolution like it's just a, a, a normal step forward, or a revolution is it's a huge leap forward? Oh, okay, in that sense, okay. Then I will, then yeah. I'm gonna say revolution uh, because. Okay. Uh, so is this is this a bigger step than what? Because like I can say I'm I'm not that. Op- I mean, I used to be up. Um, I used to read a lot of magazines about stuff, and I'm kind of out of touch with everything now. With speeds of this, clock speeds that, everything. I just buy stuff and put it all together. <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to learn, and um, a lot to understand. But if we t- if we go back a generation, so we go from say the the the, t- the 10 series. So I had a 1070 before. So that was a 1080 Ti would have been the the fastest model you could buy then. If you compared the jump from the 1080 the 1080 Ti to the 2080 Ti, would you say that's a much smaller gap than what we've got here? I would say, uh, first of all, that we have to remember that uh, as far as technology goes, uh, uh, you know, the 20 series uh, uh, went for uh, uh, something uh, like the ray tracing technology and the RTX brand that you know was uh, technology wise a giant leap forward because it was a brand new technology introducing uh, you know um, something that uh, you could only see in movies uh, in uh, now even in games in real time but the 30 series uh, even if doesn't really introduce any new technology. It does introduce a massive uh, um, upgrade in power from the GPUs. And so, yeah, uh, as you were asking, the leap between, uh, you know, the, for example, the top uh, tier cards from the 20 series and those uh, now of the 30 is a very important, a very uh, decisive uh, leap that can justify even a, an upgrade if someone has the money, of course. So, as I said, no new technology, but a massive improvement in the performances of the cards. Where does that come from? Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> well, basically, they managed to uh, stuff uh, more stuff <laughs> in less space in the car. <laughs> basically, more stuff in the stuff to, <laughs> yeah. to give us more stuff. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Yeah, basically, uh, with these uh, with these new um, cards from the 30 series, you have a lot more transistors. You have a lot more CUDA cores. Uh, so that's why I've said that they managed to stuff more stuff <laughs> uh, in them because. Um, as I said, there is no, uh, as in the 20 series, you, you know, there is no, not something you like, uh, like, for example, as it was back then, the Tensor course, which was something completely new and that was not in previous cards. What there is in the 30 series was already in the 20 series. It's just that in the 30 series, in the same chip or even less the space, because the the buffer for the 3080 is shorter than the than uh, you know those for example of the 2080 they managed to cramp in there a lot more of that processing power uh, that they had and i think that uh, it's uh, it's very interesting you know to uh, that they've managed to um, to be able to put uh, a lot of more of those uh, uh, transistors and uh, tensor mm-hmm. cores uh, and all of that stuff that allows a uh, GPU to make more uh, calculations uh, uh, faster. So 
That's why I'm okay. I'm very impressed with these cards, and a lot of people are. However, Paul, now will will you be buying one? Uh, mm, difficult to say because. <laughs> what are you What are you currently running? Oh, okay. Basically, my current uh, uh, PC um, originates from a 2012 uh, build because it has a okay. a, ne an, uh, as a CPU an e uh, e5 uh, 3570k and 16 gigs of DDR3 RAM. As for the GPU, uh, originally this PC had a C, uh, NVIDIA uh, 660 um, and uh, in, 20, in late 2014 I bought a 970 that, I still, uh, that I'm still running. I would okay. need to buy a new uh, PC uh, yeah. if we want to <laughs> speak plainly. Uh, but um, as we are speaking, speaking plainly, I'm not sure if uh, having the money I want to buy a new PC with one of these cards or, and we can, uh, <laughs> we, we may uh, go into the next argument, a new console, because uh, even okay. those are very impressive uh, right now and uh, they are very good value for money. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay, uh, Danny, have you got anything to add on the uh, graphics card piece? Uh, yeah, I'm, just, we, uh, I'm happy. I, I was close a few times to get one of the uh, NVIDIA 2000 Gen cards, and I'm I'm happy I didn't okay. press yeah. the button. Okay, well, you cut that. Oh, we're losing you, Danny. Danny, I think we're losing you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm probably gonna go for one of the one of the new ones because I have I'm still running I... old Jeffrey's old 980 Ti that I got from him. This year, so it's it's okay for ACC, even on triple monitors. Yeah, but I, old, it's old, it's quite old, low graphics. I've got an old graphics card hanging around, um, still. Yeah, David Day, you got something else you'd like to add? Yeah, uh, one thing that maybe will make you happy, Paul. <laughs> but uh, um, a note of beware to our listeners that may be interested in buying, in particular, thirty eighty. Beware, because a lot of people, basically everyone that has bought a 3080 with a custom uh, design is experiencing uh, crashing to desktop in all games. And it seems to be a problem with the condensers chosen by uh, third-party uh, producers, manufacturers. It, uh, it's causing this problem. And being an hardware problem, it's not likely going to be solved by you know, a software upgrade or a new driver, they probably are gonna offer some sort of, uh, you know, replace or um, uh, refund, most likely. But, uh, you know, beware, if you're going to buy a 3080 right now, maybe buy a reference design card. It's safer that way, <laughs> given that you're going to spend... A when, you, when you say custom build, are you talking about... The ones that like Asus go and yeah, release exactly. Like when the when Rob, you talk about the reference design, you talk about uh, an Nvidia both from an, from the Nvidia website, so with the yeah. standard uh, cooling. Uh, when you talk about uh, custom or third party design, you mean uh, you buy a thirty eighty, for example, for, uh, from Asus or uh, Gigabyte or uh, yeah. uh, Zotac, uh, whatever brand you you like the most. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, the 2080 I bought, I bought the Asus uh, 2080 Super ROG Strix OC, and I paid 800 quid for that, and it's still priced at 780 on their website. 
where I got it from. So the price of that hasn't dropped um, immensely yet, but you can't buy the Asus version from them at the moment uh, with regards to the uh, the 3080. So I was interested to see what the price was, but um, it's not on their website right now. So, and for those who want to know, I'm looking at scan.co.uk. That's where I bought all my PC bits for. Obviously, other websites are available. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, from my, my perspective... The, the, the thing that I was quite interesting is the 3090 is huge. Yeah. I mean, it's it, even the standard one from NVIDIA, how's that? It's not, you know, a lot of people might have to upgrade their cases to fit that bad boy. Yeah. yeah basically, it's uh, something like one of those dual GPUs that um, uh, very were very well um, uh, famous and sold in the past. And, uh, haven't been made, I think, since the 690. I think it was uh, the last one of them. And yeah, that is a, that is a massive GPU that um, it seems to be, um, listening to NVIDIA, that it is meant more for, uh, you know, professionals and uh, uh, content creators in the means of uh, not just of, YouTubers or Twitchers, but people, you know, actually producing stuff with their with their graphics cards or so designers and uh, graphics designers and uh, mm -hmm. and people like that. But you can play on that, of course. It's more um, uh, apt for gaming than uh, a Titan, for example. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, one of those um, investment that will last you for uh, all the life of a current uh, console generation. Because, for example, now at the end of this year, we're going to have the PS5 and the new Series X, uh, Xbox. If you, I'm most likely certain that if you right now, you buy 3090, it's going to be able to play games up until uh, the PS6 and the new Xbox will come out. So pricey but uh, I'm, fair, I'm fairly certain that uh, it's one of those GPUs that, uh, that are going to last an entire generation which, which is what you want at the end of the day because uh, swapping GPU every year or two years is not uh, very practical you want to buy a GPU that's gonna stand uh, all of the uh, current console generation which dictates the evolution of every sim and games even those that do not release on console, are not going to be released on console, are still affected by the, uh, you know, console tech. It's the mm -hmm. way it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've referenced the new consoles coming from Microsoft. So Microsoft have gone a different strategy to, um, to Sony. So Xbox have the Xbox, so Microsoft even have the Xbox Series S and the Xbox Series X. Now, just to kind of give you a high-level view, the Xbox Series S is um, is basically it's got the same CPU, but it doesn't do 4K gaming. Basically, just to keep, and it's got a smaller hard drive, but it's also slimmer in size because those of you that might have seen a picture of the Xbox Series X. It's a bit of a bulky unit, but you get 4K gaming and you also get a 4K Blu-ray drive with it. The Sony have gone a different route with the PlayStation 5. They've gone two consoles, exactly the same spec. One has a Blu-ray drive 
4K Blu-ray drive, one dozen. Have either of you pre-ordered one of these? Uh, no. No, no. Okay, I have. Which one do you think I went for? Uh, Let me first. Yeah, I think you're an Xbox guy. Yeah. Is it true? I've gone PlayStation. Oh, no, <laughs> no fail. Uh, I still think you didn't but go. You have you been, didn't you, go the but, hard yeah, but I, I have been Raymond. more of a. I have been more of an Xbox guy. The last two consoles, yes. I had. Well, I had the original Xbox, Xbox 360, and the Xbox One. So what made you turn well. to the to the light side? Because uh, a couple of reasons. One. My brother's getting one, and so is one of my mates. Though he hasn't pre-ordered, but he will get one. So I know more people with a PlayStation. Obviously, different different people, you know, not necessarily. But because Microsoft has kind of started with the um, Game Pass with PC, you kind of get a lot of the Xbox games on your PC now. So it's just a bigger, faster PC. Uh, Xbox, even. So... I kind of thought, you know what? I get the best of both worlds if I've got a PlayStation. And to be fair to Sony, they've got a lot of the um, games that are kind of big that only come out on the on the PlayStation. So you miss out a lot of the exclusives. Though what's quite interesting is obviously, when I say obviously, Microsoft made a big purchase recently, didn't they? Yeah, they bought uh, a lot of studios, including uh, Bethesda. Yeah, Bethesda, thank you. Yeah, that's the one I couldn't remember the name of. So... Yeah, um, some interesting stuff. Now, uh, there are some pre-kind of uh, sell uh, consoles for Microsoft have been handed out to reviewers, and they're only allowed to show certain things. But I watched a video today from The Verge um, by a guy called Tom Warren. Um, he's a little bit irritating in the video, I'll be honest. There are others out there. I think it was another one from my brother sent me from, um, I think it was CNET, I think it was. Let me just check my uh, history on YouTube because I haven't finished watching it yet. Uh, yeah, from CNET. Um, it's called Xbox Series X Hands-On Preview. The guy doesn't seem as annoying. Um, <laughs> but what they took, what they show you is the loading times difference because these things have got SSD drives. And the difference is like you're talking two minutes difference for some games. Now... They, they're testing some of the old games, obviously, because there aren't any of the new generation games out quite yet. But they, they, they did some side-by-side -side videos that showed you that even going into, like, the menu of one game, I forget which game it was, he went into the menu to um, customise the character. Even that loaded quicker. But the, just the loading differences were just... When you're talking two minutes, that's a huge amount of difference. And I kind of kind of feel that that is what the nick the previous gen should have been able to do and didn't because ssds were already around at that point um so yeah so there aren't any videos yet they're not allowed to show you the dashboard and things like that um because i'm sure they're under nda for certain aspects but the the xbox comes out even though the the, the pre-sale or the pre-order came out after sony's for the playstation 5 the Xbox release date is ahead. So, um, but yeah, I pre-ordered a, a PlayStation 5. I've gone for the digital version, so I've gone for the one without the disc. And yeah, you did that. Um, 
I did yeah, right, yeah, did absolutely. I? Absolutely. Uh, if I if I buy a, a console and the PS5 in specific, I'm gonna certainly buy the digital version, the discless version. Yeah. So um, I also had some for those in the UK when you obviously I bought it from Argos and I got some Sainsbury's which was a supermarket in the UK I had some nectar points I used those nectar points to go towards which is like a value of money in like a loyalty scheme that they have and I saved 60 pounds because that's how many nectar points I had I hadn't spent them for a while so I got the console pretty cheap based on that so um, and I managed to get one so I should get it on release day so I'll be booking the day off work but what I'm excited about, really, is well, for me, is Gran Turismo. I haven't played a Gran Turismo game in a while, um, but I'm guessing in order to, I'd have to buy a PlayStation Five or PlayStation Four wheel to obviously play racing games. It's not the re main reason I bought it. The Spider-Man game also does interest me quite some, because the previous Spider-Man game was supposed to be quite good. But anyway, um, I'm kind of digressing a lot here, really. Um, from a sim racing perspective, these consoles could could offer some great architecture to maybe bring that step closer, potentially, to some realism, Davide? Yeah, I think that um, the reason why before I said that I'm very, you know, uh, indecised, is, is that a word? <laughs> I've not yet make, made my decision, let's say between buying a new PC and um, a new console is because, um, you know, for uh, decades we've been um, uh, taught or get used to the idea that, uh, you know, sim racing uh, is uh, something exclusive to the, to the PC world, mainly because uh, um, the consoles uh, did not have the processing power to you know, be able to cope with the uh, advanced uh, uh, calculations that uh, SIM has, has to make uh, for the tire model, the physics of the surfaces, the force feedback and so on. And then because there was uh, the other problems, a problem that was uh, mods, which were impossible to do on, um, on a console. But Today, if you think about it, all of that has changed. These new consoles uh, have uh, a lot of power and can process everything that a sim uh, uh, wants to throw at them. And uh, mods, even that, if you want, is no longer a problem because uh, new sims like Assetto Corsa Competizione or, for example, uh, Automobilista 2, or, uh, you know, if you want to, uh, if you like to play something more like the Project Car series, all of those themes uh, do not uh, uh, have mod support and nobody makes mod for them because it's, it's hard to make them kind of pointless. Or even, you know, something like iRacing. I think that probably they're going to, make you, if they are going to make, you know, something like um, cross-platform uh, multiplayer, if it's, uh, something like a racing is going to be available for PS5 or Xbox, uh, why not? There is all of the processing power to be able to run it and uh, you uh, do not care for mods because uh, it does not support it, support them. And uh, even for wheels, you know, uh, for example, you were saying uh, for Gran Turismo, I'm going to probably have to buy a PS4, PS5 wheel. 
I think you don't, because if I remember correct, correctly, you have a fun attack environment as, as far as goes for Will and... Yeah, I have a 2.5 two yeah, CSW, Will, but Will I think... And um, so most likely you're going to just need to plug them in and uh, you'll be able to play, because basically even, even if you have an Xbox or a PlayStation, all of the major wheels and pedals from Thrustmaster and Fun Attack, uh, they do work. So that's why uh are you sure about that because yeah 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 yeah, absolutely the news from uh, a few days ago was that uh, for example the current lineup from Thrustmaster is gonna be compatible with i'm talking about fanatec because the c the 2.5 uh club sport wheelbase which I've got is only available. That only works for the PC yeah, and the Xbox. I, I do not know if your if your specific uh, base it's going to no, be compatible. No, they don't. But, uh, <coughs> no, but, they don't. Yeah, so I, but I but I do believe because of the way the chips work, I think you have to buy. There's a particular model currently for the PS4, which I think will. I think Fanatec have confirmed will work on the PS5. Yeah, basically, Fanatec has confirmed that uh, everything that works on a PS4 is going to work on a PS5. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, the same goes for Xbox. So whatever works. Yeah, so that would be that would be the CSO Elite. So the CSO Elite Racing Wheel, which is officially licensed for the PS4, but it also works on the Xbox One and the PC, yeah. which I think is what Yardie races with. Mm. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, basically, uh, as I was saying. Uh, you now have this dilemma, which if you think about it, maybe it's not really a dilemma, but just, you know, um, taking notice that the times have changed because you can buy a console that, uh, you know, for example, the disc class version of the PS5 costs uh, just $400. Or even if you go for the Xbox Series X, the top-notch model, it's uh, $500. They're going to last you something like uh, between six to ten years depending on the support let's say the the, the average eight that uh, generation of console lasts and uh, you spend you spend 400 500 dollars instead of the thousand or 1500 or even more that uh, a new pc costs you're gonna most likely gonna be able to play the same sims that uh, pc players are gonna play because uh, I just said it, you know, Assetto Corsa and uh, Project Cars Automobilista, if it comes out for consoles, uh, uh, it's the same. And you're going to be able to play with, uh, you know, wheels that uh, have nothing, uh, aren't, aren't, uh, aren't short of anything because you can buy a Fanatec product uh, or uh, I'm sure that with the new consoles, even more... Uh, Brands and manufacturers from you know the higher higher tier are gonna be supporting um, the these new products. So I'm thinking of uh, if I'm gonna leap into new, this new generation uh, uh, to buy a console and uh, keep the PC just for uh, the retro gaming or retro simming, uh, you know, for those old scenes like GTR2, Grand Prix Legends that stuff that uh, Assetto Corsa with mods, that stuff that uh, it's, gonna, it's, it's obvious, obviously not going to be able uh, to play on the new consoles. But I, I don't know, let's, uh, I want to hear your opinion too. 
Danny, for example, you were saying you want to buy a new GPU, new GPU or new console for just this, the same money or, or even less. Uh, I have my problem solved because I have a, an OSW that I drive wheel that I bought already two years ago, which I'm pretty sure will not work with any console. So I'll just upgrade my graphics card basically. Okay. Um, which is, in a way, it's a, it's a pity, but in, the, in another way, most of what I play is just sim racing games. So I've got that, yeah, that, that problem kind of solved that way. Otherwise, I would have to think yeah, about it. That's a, true. It's a bit of it's a bit of a shame, actually, that you know that uh, there is a, that limitation because it means that you have to potentially have different bases for different products, right? And that's the that's the beauty about the PC market is it doesn't matter what pc you build that peripheral is going to work with that isn't it because it's the same you know, yeah but using at the Windows. same time uh, when you are playing from a pc uh you do encounter a lot of problems because of the different yeah, hardware, no, is, yeah, or even yeah, the wheel you, you buy many times because of your different hardware in your pc can give different problems instead with a with a yeah. console you know it's the same hardware, hardware for everything, so it's even easier for uh, developers or you know wheel manufacturers to to solve yeah, your problem yeah. because you are most likely ninety five percent of the probabilities probabilities is that if you're experiencing something, it's something that everyone else is going to experience and so it's going to get solved. Or in the remaining five yeah. percent, it's a defective product and so you just have to. Uh, replace it. Well, on the PC, it might very well be a problem on your end that only you can solve, and uh, that's more problematic. It's very, very true. I think a, a good example of that is when you look at um, you get. I don't want to get into this whole debate, but I do often with people when you've got the the Android versus Apple debate. The way that the Apple route is, we only sell X amount of devices, therefore we know. Generally, it's going to be not always bug-free, but you know what you're supporting, what screens you're supporting, the resolution. Whilst I like the idea of Android and its customization and everything else, because you've got so many hardware manufacturers and you've got different screen sizes, different resolution, everything else, it's that little bit more challenging sometimes to have apps that you know that work correctly on different devices. And it's the same here. When you talk about consoles, you're right. You know, because it's one fixed bit of hardware until they decide to release an upgraded version six months after they released it. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which they will do, inevitably. They will, yeah, you know, release a slimmer it's, version. It's and, the new trend. And, and whatnot. It's, you know, you know, it's that's the danger of being the first at the first on the on the in the line is that in a year's time they release, you know, you lose out. But you know that's that risk I'm willing to take here. Um, you know, you, you know the peripherals are the same, the game, the games are the same, and the hardware is the same. And you're right. And even the even yesterday when I was racing, um, did the practice session. I was just towards the end of the practice session. For some reason, my Fanatec switched to Xbox mode, and I do not know what caused that. I have no idea. The problem is when it when it, when I've done it before after doing a firmware upgrade. I've never saved the instructions on how to switch it. So I'm frantically searching on how to try and switch it <laughs> back from Xbox mode to PC mode. Actually, all it took me to do was turn it off, disconnect the wheel, turn it back uh, turn it back on, 
and it went back to PCMO, put the wheel back on, and I was able to take part in qualifying. And there are other times, I think Paul and I meant we were discussing VR briefly last week, where, based on one of the questions we got, Paul and I mentioned that sometimes you turn on your PC, the, the Oculus Rift was working brilliantly the day before, and the next day the software just does not want to boot, and it takes you having to re-download the software. Now, where I lived previously, when I had only 2 meg internet, and you're downloading 4 gig or whatever it is, that's quite a long time. Now, in this, where I live now, that's a couple of minutes. But, you know, PCs can be challenging. And I've also seen quite, one of my friends, when he got some Fanatec gear, he was experiencing a weird issue. And I think it was in iRacing. Um, and his devices were just disconnecting randomly. And I just told him, look, disable the power management on the USB. And that solved all these problems, would you believe? And now I see a lot of people with a similar sort of on race department uh, a couple of weeks ago. Someone posted something very similar. I was like, go and disable your power management on your USB devices. They did it. The problem went away. Um, now, sometimes doing that is not going to solve your problem. It's going to be something else. But nine times out of ten, it's going to be the USB power management. But you're right. PCs can be frustrating. So, and that's the thing is like you, you do all your practice and that's why I never turn on my PC five minutes before doing an event. Because as we all know, as much as I love R-Factor 2 and I haven't done an R-Factor 2 race in a while, it's, you boot up R-Factor 2 and it doesn't want to load. <laughs> but God knows what reason. So it happens, right? Flashbacks. It happens. I mean, I, but, I mean, I've not had touch wood and I'm doing, I am actually doing that. Knock, knock. There you go. Um, I've not had that problem with ACC. I've not had it crash the desktop, but I know other people that have. And there are quite a few people that have had those experiences with ACC. I've had the odd server disconnect, but I've never had the game crash on me. I'm very fortunate. And that's the thing is because, to your point, David, everybody's architecture, their GPU, their CPU, their, their RAM, their hard drives, their USB ports everything else is, is potentially different to mine. Um, and so, and based on that, we all sometimes have different experiences. Um, Daddy, what did you think about his point about this generation being a little bit closer to PCs and we might see more sim racing games? I'm not necessarily convinced. Uh, I think for the games that, like David has said, that have no modding, this would be great. Because if if you can, because I know not, not all games are cross-platform, as in, People can play together from a PlayStation, from an Xbox, or from yeah. a PC, um, or other computer, um, Windows or other. But it would be great for if, for example, let's imagine, um, well, for example, a game that is popular across all, let's say, the current consoles on the PC, which is Project Cars 2, has been sold on all of them. I don't know if it's cross-platform already. Uh, it's not. No, it's but not. let's imagine no. it was. You suddenly have, I think still, the pool of players on the PC is the smallest out of the three. I'm sure there'll be more players on the console, yes. on each console. Um, and if you can get all of them together, that, I mean, I think that would be really great because then people say, oh, console is better, computer is better, blah, blah, blah. If you can get, that will make just the pool of drivers like kind of more or less triple if you can put them all together. And especially with, um, I think, 
uh, I don't know how they would make it work, but David mentioned iRacing because you also don't have mods there, and you basically just need to own the content you the content you use. Uh, so that would be great if it came to consoles because if it used the same wheels like Thrustmaster, Logitech, or Fanatec wheels that I'd say 90% of the people use anyway. Uh, that would be really cool. Yeah, but a lot of console users don't use wheels. They use a thing called a controller. Well, and then they could they can also take part in the, ah i racing. I think does it not does it allow for controllers? I don't remember now. Yeah, it, it does, I but it no has idea. A terrible support. But however, Paul, <laughs> Paul, it is not. My my point my point is is that you know when you're using a controller, the racing isn't necessarily at, you know you can't necessarily race as close as you would. Yeah, but Paul, you have to. It comes with the wheel. They're really good gamepad players. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I know. But and gen- and generally, console races, not all, but console races tend to be a bit more bash them and have them. It, it depends on the you know on the on the, on game, the game because of yeah, course, if you consider yeah. something like, for example, Gran Turismo, Gran Turismo yes. is something that uh, you know it, it attracts both the sim racing aud- audience and the. Uh, gamers, uh, uh, arcade uh, players, uh, audience. So you have uh, uh, a mix of both worlds of people trying to play with a gamepad and people buying, uh, playing with a wheel. Because you have to consider that nowadays people playing Sims on consoles, they do with the wheel. Uh, all, most of the people, for example, playing um, Assetto Corsa Competizione on the... On the uh, consoles are playing with a wheel. A lot of wheels are uh, being sold for uh, the console audience. Uh, so it really depends on the game. If it leans more on the you know arcade or just you know casual players, of course it's people that is not going to invest money in uh, in a wheel. But uh, sim racers on consoles is <laughs> is uh, something that nowadays exists. People that uh, want to play sims, want to play them the proper way, but do it through a console because it's cheaper and it lasts uh, more. And uh, today offers the same possibilities as a, as a PC, uh, except for some title of course. Title of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, it'll be interesting to see if that develops. I think you're living in a bit of a dream world. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll see. But, you know, they, I think I, I get your point where you're saying that this generation of consoles are closer to PCs. But then in five years' time, when those consoles are still the same, PCs would have changed. Not That's not... Uh, that's true for mainly for the main games, mm-hmm. but for sim racing... You don't yeah, have because... brand new super graphics sim racing games yeah. every no, year. No, so. Yeah, yeah exactly. you're right. You're right. It's not like every year where there's a new game coming out. It'll be interesting to see what they what they do with ACC, whether they decide to port it to the next gen. Uh, I think I've read that uh, they, yeah, it's going to support it, but uh, there was something weird going on, like uh, that people have will have to pay the upgrade or something like that. But don't quanti- mm. don't do not quote me on that. I I think that uh, it's going to support the new consoles, but uh, I'm not really sure about the the way. It's big gonna... big downside of consoles is the price of the blooming games. Yeah, that is They're true. They're going up to about sixty sixty five pounds in the UK. Um, you know, the best thing about being a PC gamer is. 
every so often, uh, Epic turn around and say, you can have this game for free. I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. Cheers, thank you very much. Yeah, but uh, even for uh, for concerts now, we have uh, sales uh, uh, like yeah, uh, like we have on yeah. Steam. And um, yeah, even the uh, pr- price of uh, PC games, it's... Uh, it's raising uh, with each year that passes and, uh, you know, it's getting close to the... Yeah, you have the Game Pass on the Xbox and you have PlayStation Now, isn't it, on the yeah. PlayStation? Yeah, yeah, so, very, very, very similar models. But it's interesting to see how, my, you know, how the two organisations have gone for different models. You know, like I say, you've got the, the more accessible console, I think, from Microsoft. I think the, the S is probably... The one that they, you know, um, for people like some the review I watched, you know, the, the preview otherwise kind of said this is probably aimed for the for the Fortnite players, which I think is a really good point. And then you've got more of the hardcore kind of you know Xboxes out there that all want the will want the higher spec model. Um, and then you know with the Game Pass stuff, I think they've they've done something there, and with the streaming. So unfortunately due to apple's regulations on their app store you can't release an app that allows you to stream a game or something i don't know until i fully understand it but microsoft are releasing an, an update to their app which is allowed because you're actually being able to stream the game from your xbox which i think is quite good to be able to pick up your game if you've got a decent 4g 5g signal or wi-fi wherever you are that you are able to access that game remotely. How it works is to be seen, but as you know now, iPhones do support Bluetooth Xbox controllers. So that will be... It'd be I'd like to try that to see what that's like. Um, I don't think Sony are doing anything quite like that, but it's interesting to see... I keep saying the word interesting, but it's just interesting to see... How the two companies are going for different... They seem to be aiming for different markets. Even though they're both consoles, they're going different ways. Um, I do think potentially Microsoft owns... Not owns, but has the better package, all-round package. And then a part of me thinks that the PlayStation might be the better console, if that makes sense. You with me on that? Basically, for how things uh, seems to be going or turning out uh, the xbox is surely more powerful than the ps5 which is you know the opposite of what happened uh, during the last generation but um, yeah. the, uh, but sony still keeps uh, the advantage of having uh, the mo- most interesting uh, uh, exclusives because uh, you know, even if yep. Microsoft have acquired a lot of new studios, uh, the only one uh, that can make the, a difference is Bethesda, which basically just produces uh, specific RPGs like uh, the Elder Scroll games, uh, the Fallout games. So, if neither of which interests yeah, and me, that's exactly the problem. So, in, a, in a, like not at all. I mean, I I have no interest in either yeah, of those games. I bought a Fallout game years ago because everyone was raving about it, and I'm like, I don't get yeah. it. And don't get it. That Sony has a, you know, has much more variety in its exclusives, and from a sim racing perspective, uh, uh, this is just my opinion. But between Gran Turismo and Forza, uh, Gran Turismo is the better choice because uh, 
I think yeah. it is, yeah. And that's and I'll be honest, that's probably the main reason I bought the console is for Grand Turismo. The menu um, music is just sublime. Oh yeah, the menu mu music, yeah. But even the, uh, you know, for example, Gran Turismo Sport for the PS4, you buy a title that nowadays costs uh, something like 20 euros or even less, and you get a lot of cards because they basically supported the title all way through the life of the PS4, uh, not just fixing and adding, uh, adding new stuff, but new cars, new trucks. And uh, that's something that nobody did uh, on PC for any of, of their sims. And uh, you have a very strong uh, car selection in, uh, in Gran Turismo. And the new one uh, that's gonna be available for PS5, it's just gonna build from that. So even if the physics, uh, you know, surely aren't gonna be the most exciting, it's. Uh, I think that it's gonna be fun to play, nonetheless. One thing that I wished the Xbox One supported, I think both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X will support, but it, I don't think it's actually been officially confirmed, is ultra-wide resolutions. Because if, if you plug an Xbox into an ultra-wide monitor, it, yeah, it's not a great experience. Yeah, because I think that uh, the average uh, uh, buyer of a console, it's just gonna um, plug it, uh, plug it yeah, into a TV, in, into a yeah. mass 16 market. Sixteen by nine, uh, yeah, ratio. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. you have these new consoles that are uh, meant for 4K or even 8K. They they say, but that's yeah, what they say. 4K for certain, so. If you have a monitor supporting 4K RTV. And, and Microsoft are promising 120 frames per second as yeah, well. Yeah, 4K, yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's quite impressive, to be fair. Yeah, but because the hardware is, uh, is incredible yeah. inside them. Um, yeah. That's why I said that, uh, you know, there is no longer a cap for... Uh, for Sims to be run on a console, it's just uh, the decision mm -hmm. of uh, the developers of uh, supporting them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, good discussion there about graphics cards and consoles. Anything further to add on either of those two before we bring this to a close? Mm, no, I think we've said uh, pretty much everything, but. Uh, you know, if, yeah. if any of the listeners still have some doubts or want to share their opinion, uh, I think that uh, it will be more than interesting to hear uh, hear them about it. Yeah, they might completely disagree with everything yeah, we just said. And maybe <laughs> throw something yeah. in that we did not think about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And who's this Paul Jeffrey bloke? Anybody know who Who's he is? Oh. He wouldn't understand the end of this conversation anyway. <laughs> so. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. I think it's one of the reasons why he bailed tonight. Yeah. He, he bailed very, very he last minute as well. He just, so, he's um, just discovered that smartphone exists. <laughs> yeah. He's just discovered electricity as well, I hear. So, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think he would have... He probably would have had an opinion around the leagues and bits and pieces, but when it comes to... The graphics cards, and you know, it would have been nice to rub it into him that he bought. A yeah, it's probably why he not... can't deal with the with the truth. So <laughs> <laughs> the harsh truth. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, to be fair, I didn't buy, I didn't buy mine that long ago either. When did I buy? I'm just looking at the order history now on the account. When did I buy mine? I was back in February. Oh, that's not too bad. So, yeah. But they will last long. You don't yeah. need to buy the the three thousand. Oh, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm, I, yeah, I'm very, very happy with my, with my, with my PC. If I was, if I was to upgrade, I just, I would. If I was to get another one, if I decided to, I'd then put the twenty eighty in my old PC. And then get rid of it, and, and then mate, um, yeah, I might. I think my mate needs a new graphics card. I'd probably give him the 1070. But, but yeah, uh, great, awesome. Well, thank you very much, David Day and uh, Danny, for today. It's, I think I've really, I've really enjoyed that. Before we go, though, I just need to mention a few things for you. There's been some um, updates around WRC nine. Um, some more, would you would you believe, R Factor Two updates? Uh, they recently announced a was the Bentley free? It was, wasn't it? The Bentley so. GT three was free, yeah. And then they've announced a Ferrari GT three as well. So um, I think was it GT three? Yeah, wasn't it? GT3. That one? yeah, yeah the evil, it yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Which is great. More content for yeah, R Factor Two, which <laughs> yeah. Ferrari, <laughs> well, the the Ferrari is DLC, I believe. You got to pay for that one. If, I, if I'm, I think I'm right on that. Um, something we didn't mention last time, I can't remember was, um, and I can't remember if we did, uh, was about obviously the end of the Williams era, which I think we might have touched on, but still hurts a little bit when they're running around in the Grand Prix and and the Williams family are no longer part of that team. Um, still haven't quite got over that yet. More updates from AMS2. Some exciting developments coming with some new cars. I saw a tweet from them yesterday from Razer Studios or Riser Studios even. Um, some great com- more content coming there. So uh, keep an eye out on racedepartment.com for the latest. Um, uh, yeah. And finally, the last thing that I want to mention is... <clears throat> first off, David Day and Danny were a little bit upset. I never discussed this with them. But, you know, it is what it is. I... This, I run this thing and it's my ship and I steer <laughs> in the direction that I choose to. No, I'm only joking. Um, since we started this podcast last year, we're now in season two. Um, we're a few episodes in and we have our intro music and it's just some standard music that we that we use. And we know there are some talented people out there, be it on our forum and also, uh, you know, want, uh, those who listen to the podcast. So... We need your help. We would like someone to help us <laughs> design some intro music. Not help us design, but, you know, you come up with some ideas. You submit them to us. And what we're after is maybe a 15, 30-second clip, which is the intro. Maybe a jingle as well. Maybe you want to do some voice and go, this is the Rose Department podcast, or whatever that may be. Um, in any style that you like, and maybe something like we, which is referred to as a stab, where you would break sections up. Now, we know people that could do this, but we thought, you know what? Let's ask the community to see if they can deliver. Um, and and it, uh, we want to just do a... Um, I don't know, really. I'm kind of losing my words here, but we, we put a post up on Race Department shortly when this podcast is released and have a think about what you might want to do and submit them to us and then we will review them as a as a foursome 
we will do a section in a, an episode where we play them back and we discuss them and then we'll come up with a maybe a top however many and then we're not really you can see how i've not really thought <laughs> this whole thing through <laughs> and uh we'll let you vote on the one that we that we go with yes david Day. i do have a suggestion suggestion yes uh, listen closely because i think that it is a great idea what if thank you we play the italian national anthem with me shouting forza ferrari forza ferrari no no, that's not happening. Well, you can submit it, there. Um, you? you can submit it, then we'll, we'll vote on I will that. certainly do. I will certainly yeah, we can, do. Wait, you can, you can su- <laughs> and I will drive people to vote You can submit it. What, what happens to it after that? Who knows? I mean, you know, the internet is a weird and wonderful place. Anything can get Or it lost. might become the most downloaded <laughs> in the history of music. <laughs> so, um, listen, we've, we've, we've submitted, we've submitted, we've, we haven't really, at the moment, the deadline is the October the 9th, but we'll put, I'm going to extend that. Um, I want to give people some time to get their creative juices flowing. Uh, we will do uh, when we do a particular episode at some point. We will we will um, play them back. I've got a way of doing that so you guys can hear it as we do it and and so forth. But genuinely excited to hear what people can come up with. Um, it could be any style that you any style that you choose. You don't have to sing. You could just be music. You could have some voice in it, some singing. You could have a voiceover, whatever. We don't care. If we like it, we like it. And that's what matters. So, yeah. Um, anything you guys want to add on that? Uh, no. I'm curious to yeah. hear what the people will uh, do. Right. And if any of right. that is going to be better than my idea. We know the answer to that yeah, one. Exactly. We'll, we'll wait for, <laughs> for now. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't... Um, put on the article yet how you're going to submit those to us but ideally it will probably would be best is um you upload it somewhere send, post the link on the on the article on every and people can go and have a listen to them um as well um but yeah we'll put just keep an eye on the article at racedepartment.com and we'll we'll put the details there we'll make it a little bit clearer than how i'm explaining it right now so um, Paul's written the article for us. I need to, we just need to make a few tweaks to it. We'll confirm how you submit them to us, but please start thinking about it um, and you know submit your ideas to us. And can't wait to hear, to hear them. Hopefully, we get absolutely flooded. If we don't, it's going to be hashtag awkward. So yeah, or I'll just save it. Make you make you one but without shouting for oh, Ferrari, and then we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, brilliant. Uh, don't forget, you can check out our um, racing club uh, at racedepartment.com. So we have racing club AMS2, AC and ACC. Uh, don't forget that we are heavily involved with simracing.gp. If you're not, if you are a premium member at Race Department, you're not already a part of uh, simracing.gp, send Bram Hangerfield a message and he'll send you an invite. Uh, Paul is regularly uploading YouTube videos again, which is great to see. So make sure you search for Race Department. We do have uh, Twitch as well, but we haven't really done anything on there for a little bit now. But 
I'm expecting with the test of league complete that that will that will change. Uh, don't know if we're doing any more SRO stuff at the moment. I'm hoping we will at some point. Uh, don't forget, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So search for Race Department. And also we have a Discord as well. So all the links available for that are at racedepartment.com. Danny, any closing remarks? Uh, no, just stay safe and keep on sim racing. Thank you very much. Davide, any closing remarks from yourself? Um, no, not particularly. Just don't buy a 3080 from, uh, you know, custom. <laughs> just for now. <laughs> just to be safe. You've been warned by a resident <laughs> Italian. Uh, thank you very much for listening to the Race Department Podcast. This has been Season 2, Episode 8. I've been Paul Glover. This has been the Race Department Podcast. Cheerio. <laughs>